Hey everybody, it's Austin here. We're uh, doing an episode of Giant Bomb Presents with Jonathan Blow. Hi. Uh, and also joining us, Jeff Bacalar. Hello. Who you know from the Giant Beast cast. Jeff and I just got finished playing The Witness for the last hour and a half or so. Yes. Uh, it was a, a, an interesting and, and uh, I think fun. We had, we had a lot of fun solving puzzles together. We had a lot of fun. And we also had lots of talks generally about the shape of what The Witness is, right. the place of puzzle games uh, like this, um, and some, some broader philosophical discussions. And so I'm happy to be able to talk with you, Jonathan, right. about the game and about you know, what it is you're, you're kind of aiming for here. Sure. Uh, how has the response been so far? Uh, it's been great. I mean, you never really know, though, because, uh, I don't know, I sort of learned early on that it's hard to judge how people really feel about something based mm-hmm. on how they interact. I think that's true for anything, right? Yeah. So um, it's, it looks like it's been great. Like, everybody seems to really like the game, which is kind of surprising because it's a weird game, right? Yeah. So you would, you would sort of expect that you bring it around and some people are like, oh... I really didn't like it at all, but mm-hmm. I see how someone could be interested. And I so, and so, never got that response. Right by not getting that response, you're you're now kind of like doubting the general response. Because well, it's a little bit, you know, when we come to stuff like this, we at least try to aim and like pick people who aren't going to totally hate this genre of game. So it's sure. a little bit self-selected. But um, just anytime you make something weird, you you have to expect that not everybody's going to love it, right? Sure. So, but it's been doing. Uh, I mean. Doing great in terms of just we bring it to people and they and the response has been positive. Yeah. So yeah. so for people who aren't familiar, uh, it's a game that I, kind of my first thought of it was it reminded me of something like Mist. Here's an island. There are mysterious things on this island. There are a set of puzzles. Right. Uh, unlike Mist, those puzzles are are a lot more clear. Right. It's like oh here is a here is a screen that is a maze. Uh, those mazes can have different rule sets. Uh, we came across five or six different types of. Maze, like obviously the one is just like oh you start here the end is here. Right. From there it becomes more complicated because it can it can be things like oh but before you reach the end you have to go over these certain marked spaces or you're controlling two kind of lines at once that are mirroring each other or in symmetry in some way but the the maze is different for them. There's a bunch of different things like that. I don't want to give too many of those away sure. though. And one of the things that that we always like I think Jeff maybe this is I think this is true is like what is this puzzle like how do we even do this and then. Well, we found that playing through that there's always some kind of, uh, you know, logical evolutionary sort of path where where you never are presented with something. Aside from maybe one part Mm -hmm. where we're like, oh, yeah, everything we've learned up until here hasn't, you know, gotten us to the point where we don't know how to... Or we would see a puzzle where it's like, or I don't want to do this one, but that must mean that there is somewhere else in the in the vicinity a puzzle that will teach us the rules of this. Right. Of this right. Thing. That information is here somewhere. Right. Right. For the most part, and we hit one sure. puzzle that we couldn't we couldn't quite work out. We thought we knew the, the rules. I mean, that's that. always true for everything. Sure. Sometimes right. you really need to go. Yeah. Somewhere very far. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the island has has a kind of just to set it up again for people like yeah we ran into thirty or forty puzzles maybe more maybe a handful less but more, yeah. dozens dozens yeah. and dozens of them um, and for the most part you, it seems like you're alone on the island there are some some uh, kind of uh, I don't want to say creepy but there's like a, a, a kind of an abandoned town early on or a little village it's it sort of seems like something happened that's the feel we get and yeah and now everyone's gone right so that's the setup like that's what that game is who, who that's our experience of the game sure. so far yeah what was you know, given our that you know 
kind yeah. of pitch of the game. Yes. Is that the sort of thing you expect to hear people describe the game as, given an Definitely, hour and a half? Right. It? I mean, the you know, when I started the game, it was sort of an homage to Mist in that series of games, mm-hmm. which, if you're going to describe it, taking out the mechanics part, it's just like, look, you're alone on an island, and right. Something. trying to figure out what's going on, you know. Um, however, right, the way that that this game was designed was also looking back to those not only as positive examples but also negative examples because like the adventure game genre kind of mostly died out um, and they used to be my favorite kind of game and I think there are good reasons why it died out right so part of what I was doing was saying if I was going to make one of these games today mm-hmm. which you are I guess which I am <laughs> yeah. what, what would it be like right and how mm-hmm. would I change it you know um, and uh, so that's sort of what you have but that description that you started with is definitely the aim what's the difficulty in designing a set of puzzles like these where uh, you know we do wander onto something that is overwhelming in some cases or, or so so sometimes we, we hit one puzzle which yeah. was which was uh, just to give you a little hint there's a sequence where um, you realize that the puzzles can refer to things beyond the screen. Yeah. It's not just the markers. Yeah, yeah. There's other stuff right. in the environment that, that let's not spoil that too hard. Sure, sure, sure. There's a couple but, different places. But we hit a point where it was like yeah. we hit a point where it was like, okay, I can't I don't know what the solution is here. Okay. Um and And it was in a chain of things where we thought we had figured out the hit pattern. the first two successfully. Right. Yeah. And And you and you seem like you know exactly which one I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so part of me as a player Yeah. And this is a kind of a broader question I would bat my head against that thing for the next hour until I brute force it, and that's bad. I don't, and I don't know that I'm the every player here, but because yeah. we got, I hit those first two, I'm either going to end up leaving that space frustrated because like, I thought I understood the rules to this thing, yeah. um, because it's not communicating to me that that I that I'm missing something necessarily. And I'm, uh, we got to a point where we were talking about like, did something change here historically? Yeah. Like, was there a did something happen in this space to make me not be able to understand what's happening here? Yeah, like is this a, a result of like some a story where something hat broke right, right here? And-, um, and and so how do you address someone like me or not like me, but in general a player who might find that frustrating thing? How do you how do you let them? How do you ease them into saying, listen, you have a whole puzzle filled or a whole island filled with puzzles. Well, Just you know, go elsewhere. I think I think. That thing that you're saying already happens in the construction of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very different situation from a linear game where you have no choice but to solve this right. thing, right? Or you just can't play the game anymore, and yeah. that kind of sucks, right? So here, at least, um, you know, if you get stuck... There's a bunch of different ways people can get stuck, right? They could have no idea. They could think... They, they could be pretty confident they have the idea, but they're actually wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And that's even worse, right? Because... Uh, You'll just bite your head off a long time. But what you do is you provide a lot of different opportunities, right? And then somewhere else in the world, because everything is so interrelated, some other puzzle that you find may give you a new perspective on right. the thing that you were working on. You know? uh, right, and I think we had a few examples of that happen. Totally. I mean, that was the majority. We're told, I was The last experience I talked about was the very minority. Yeah. Uh, so, like, mostly I think it worked. But, I, the, but, but, but even when someone has that kind of experience... Um, that is actually okay, yeah. in my opinion. It's the kind of thing that a lot of game designers will freak when that happens, and they'll, they do the focus test, and people get stuck, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, we have to change our game, right. right? The problem is, the world is full of a lot of different people, and different people will get stuck on different things. Sure. And if you hammer out every single thing out of your game that might get somebody stuck, 
you end up with a really bland yeah. game. And you I sand it off all the edges that are actually kind of fascinating. Yeah. And so, so what I do is I, I do the opposite thing. Um, you know, when you, when you guys come out of the tutorial area, yeah. right, you probably saw this big vault door that's off there to the left. Mm-hmm. And usually when people see it, they're not really ready to do it yet. And then the information to do it is just, beyond, oh, I know you saw it because it's something else that you said. Okay. So, you know, oh, yes. this, this yes. is deliberately presented, you know, we, we aim the path sort of up and then down toward it before mm-hmm. it goes on. So people are meant to see it and approach it if they're interested in it and not be able to solve it. And right. that's the first, like, real puzzle in the game. I, I know. The other ones are a little lighter. There are, there are other mazes, but the, that is the first one that, that requires you to put together information from a bunch of yeah. different spaces. Yeah. And so um, it's deliberately unsolvable to sort of non-verbally communicate. Like, look, this may happen once in a while, and it's okay. You just move on. And in that case, if you move on, like, 30 feet... Mm-hmm. And you're perceptive, like you can see the information that you're sure. yeah. back, right? And so I designed that way. Um, so the thing, you know, there's. It's also an interesting question of when you, when you interrupt people and ask them how how things are going, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the time, if you if you watch people and they're like frustrated in the middle of something, right? But then they eventually overcome the problem, right? The, the feeling of victory is often bigger. And mm-hmm. the way human memory works, that's you, actually a positive experience in retrospect, yeah, right. right? And so if you freak in about something like that as a designer, you may be disabling a very positive experience, right. actually. Because you've, you've kind of like uh, numbed the feeling of success yeah. because yeah. there wasn't such a problem yeah. to begin with. However... All that is only true if people are getting stuck for a relatively good... If the game is fair, for example. Mm-hmm. If the game's kind of unfair, and it's like asking you to solve a cat hair mustache puzzle... <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. That's not good, right? right? So everything I'm saying has to be taken in a certain light. The designer still has to be very careful about what they put so, in the game. So how do you do that without... So, so you know... you. The cat hair mustache puzzle is like a famous like death of adventure game puzzle. Yes. Uh, but yes. but I you know you ask like why does that happen like what what happened there and I've always thought about that moment as this very strange almost like an arms race for absurdity and and what people thought at the time was comedy in in adventure game design and it was and it was bad. It's that combined with loss of perspective. Totally. Because to design that puzzle, you have to have no idea what it looks like to the player sure, right. when they're walking up. So then so then how do you but 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 where that came from for me or, or it's both of those things. It, it's this notion of like oh our puzzles have to be they can't be mazes. Our puzzles have to be they have to have personality of some sort or a human element in some weird bad way yeah uh, I'm not advocating for more must, cat hair mustaches <laughs> yeah. uh, thank uh, you that character didn't even need to have, didn't have a mustache didn't have a mustache begin with. Is so, the mustache I know mustache. it's terrible so so but how do you appeal to those people who are like oh but I come to adventure games for personality when what you're saying well, when, when they look at the game for the first time they hear Oh, there's like 50 hours of of mazes in this game. Well, so there actually was going to be more of that in this game initially, Mm -hmm. right? I was going to do like audio logs in the classic fashion where there's some characters speaking directly at you as you go through. And eventually those have been taken out and they've been replaced by some things that you saw a little bit Mm -hmm. of that are more like flavor in the background that hint at the plot of what's going on. But there's not like a direct character relationship anymore because uh, for a lot of reasons I did that, right? But when it, when I decided that, I was very conscious of this thing that you're saying about, oh, some people want personality, something, right? character, yeah. Yeah. yeah, whatever that um, is. Some people like elusive. story more than the other part. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, every game's different. Um, 
and for this game, it just wasn't right to make it very much about story. There still is a story, right? right? It's just very backgrounded. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm not Activision, right? I didn't spend $500 million on this game, so I don't have to sell it to every person on the earth. I only have to sell it to people who are interested in it, right? Um, in theory. Are you, are you bringing the same notion of... So, so earlier, moments ago, we were talking about how uh, uh, puzzle design can be such... Or kind of the, the meta structure of the puzzle design can be such that frustration is part of an overall long-term joy, uh, long-term pleasure. It is The narrative design is similar in that respect, where obviously I, I don't think the end of this game is a solution to the meaning of life. Right. I, I'm not going to walk away. Uh, but but given what we've seen so far, and I don't want to get too specific here because... But because it those really are, feels like it's going to be a commentary on that. Right. Yeah. Are you as interested or are you as willing to give dead ends narratively that are... Or, or may, may you even be more willing to give narrative dead ends in the way that like I could spend hours of this game feeling like I don't know what its philosophy or ethos is in the same way that I can spend hours of this game not knowing how to move um, past a certain puzzle. Maybe a little bit, but I, I will say uh, the idea of what the game's about does sort of build progressively over a long time, provided that you dig up the things mm-hmm. that hint at that, right? Um, and so it's not... It's not meant to be a puzzle in the same way as the puzzles in the game, but it is meant to be very interesting and something that people um, really uh, may actually really care about, as opposed to many games, almost all game stories, which are kind of patterned after, for some reason, so, so you can imagine stories in games the tradition maybe is inherited. The habits we have come from other media mm-hmm. earlier than games. For some reason, almost all our habits come from Hollywood movies. Yeah. I don't know why that happened, but it did. They don't come from great novels, right? They don't mm-hmm. come from poet, epic poetry. Sure. They don't come from stage plays, right? And one of the very bad things about, in, in my opinion, about Hollywood, right? Um, I don't. I'm not a Hollywood insider, but as someone who goes and sees movies. I have this problem with them. Um, basically, most movies since the 80s um, are not really about what they say they're about. They're more about pretending to be about what they say they're about. So let's take a, a movie that's relatively serious, like a movie that's about a guy who's divorced and trying to be a good mm-hmm. father, right? You go and see that movie, and, and I don't even have a specific movie in mind. Right. This is just a random thing. But you go and see that movie, and what it's really doing is like going through a series of steps. Of first, we're getting you to empathize with the character, and then we're you know we're exhibiting the relationship between him and his son, and then we're going to cause a problem. Right? It's like it's just going through some motions. It's not really about anything but going through the motions, right. right? It's about fitting a structure. It's to prepare you to not be surprised by the actions. Of the <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Totally. Which, you know, there is, there is an element of storytelling skill there that's actually mm-hmm. important. Right, it's like but the classic horror trope of, like, the, the actual horror isn't the, the killer with the knife. It's, it's, that, we're all, blood, it's yeah. that we're all approachable in our own homes, that we're all always vulnerable or something. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's like when it works right. That sure. functions in that way. But, but anyway, so, so what I'm trying to get at is I go, I go see movies like that, and they all feel fake. You know? Like, even the supposedly arty movies usually feel very fake. Um, you know, action movie, what, you don't even expect that out of an action movie, right? But, um, 
And so somehow when you see a story in a game, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's totally inherited that mode of storytelling. So you see a game, and uh, it's ostensibly about... Uh, I don't know, we don't even try that hard in games, but it's about some serious subject, mm-hmm. and then you play it, and it's more like lip service to that serious subject. So, this is going on along this course. Yeah, so sure, sure. But, but I just want to say that I tried very, very hard not to fall into those habits. So this game is about things that I actually really care about, and it's the, the way that the story elements are presented are in a way that I agonized over for years to figure out exactly mm-hmm. the right way to do it. Which is why, you know, when I said there used to be a more direct, you know, talking to a, a character, character kind of thing, yeah. I took that out because it was too a little too fake for what was really trying to go on in the game. Do you think that the... Uh, you know, I think there's a lot here to work through and unpack. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it would be really easy to move on to a new topic. Sure. But like, I think it's actually worth like digging in a little bit yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. Um, which is... So, so a couple things. Like, one... We'll take this one at a time, I guess. Um, Do you think that there's any value in presenting something that is like you didn't use the word pretentious there when describing Hollywood film, but but the notion of like it wants or or other game stories where they're saying, and I don't mean pretentious in the way that I think most of us hear it used in our Twitter feed. But that's why I didn't use the word. But 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 in a way in a way that is what you're actually saying, which is the literal definition of pretentious is what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So so the action movie that or or the, the action game that says that it wants to be about. Uh, uh, camaraderie or something is actually just about a power fantasy, right? Like that. The actual or, or not is even like that. shooting it's, it's also about pretending to be about camaraderie. camaraderie right, right? Totally. Is there is there then any value in the action movie that doesn't pretend to be an action? It doesn't pretend to be more than you know a, a movie about uh, uh, sure. Is, yeah, is, totally. I mean, in, in fact, in it's better case, when you don't when you don't do that. So in that case, is honesty the the thing that you're looking for in art right now? It's it's one of several things, yeah, okay. and I think it's it's very important. I mean, I I like action movies when they're good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen The Raid and The Raid Two. Those right, are right. those are good movies, and they know, you know what they are. Is what you're saying? Like you think? Yeah, that they, they, they they go a little bit too much into that territory of pretending to be about drama. Also, I mm-hmm. think, but if you just ignore that part of those movies and just say like, look, this is like some action, yeah, then. Well, that was like a lot of the things for, for like Mad yeah. Max or something like that. Yeah. Well, I thought at least where like that was something that was just not pretending to be something it wasn't. You thought it was like pretty straightforward? Of, I think so. Yeah. I mean, but what, what caught me interestingly enough about what you're talking about with, uh, you know, getting, uh, you know, telling a story in a game. Yeah. You have cutscenes that seem to just bridge the story along, mm-hmm. and then when you're playing, you're just playing this game that every move you make, every, you know, action in a game doesn't necessarily take a sto- take a uh, a narrative sort of toll on the on the bigger yeah. picture. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like this is attempting to like turn that on its head where it's like no 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 when you're moving around like that's what in fact is telling a story as yeah, opposed to so, like unlocking of cutscene. Right, right, so, right. so here's the thing, right? P- people are listening to the podcast and they're like, well, if they're the story's way in the background, how can something interesting keep your mind occupied, right? Cuz most games Use the story as a way to keep pulling you through the game because yeah. you want to know what happens next, right? And so, obviously, if I'm going to put that more in the background, something has to be there, right? And in this game, it's it's the ideas in the gameplay, right? Are um, there? They they make sequences of ideas, like I think of it as a, like a stream of nonverbal communication, mm-hmm. where you you're not just solving some arbitrary puzzles that are just hard to solve or whatever 
they all have ideas behind them and the ideas make patterns that you follow, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's got some of like the structure and flow that a story has, but it's not a story. It's more it's like... It's not a story in the way we talk about I stories. Do, right, it's, it's, right. But it's also very complicated. Like mm -hmm. even by the end of the hour and a half that you guys played, if you were to try to explain to someone who walked in, like what are the... Um, what what is this all about? Yeah. If you were to try to explain it in every detail, it would be a long explanation. Yeah, you know. So, um, uh, and that that's interesting is. to me, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's it's not a thing that game designers usually try to do. And so, as it, part of what this game is about, is zooming in on that capability. So that's that's another thing here. So so going back again to this notion of honesty and stuff, yeah. uh, and, and pretension by the the literal definition. Uh, do you think that, that you're doing this here is something novel, or do you think that, that when those other games uh, are, are, are kind of missing what they really are, is that a, a, a misstep in the element of creation elsewhere? Do you know what I mean? So, so in the same way that let's talk about Hollywood, because it's probably easier to talk about Hollywood. Sure. But when, but when um, uh, you know, uh, Michael Bay makes a movie, I mean, Michael Bay's probably a bad example because he might be the most honest <laughs> filmmaker in Hollywood, even though I actually don't love his films, but I think that you know what I mean when a director makes a movie that's supposed to be about family but really it's about some, some other things yeah. uh, but it's about being wanting to be a movie about family yeah. is that that there is a disconnect in this level of craft that's happening at the, from the director and the writer and the acting is that uh, a lack of knowledge is that a technological fault what is the is it an overdetermined thing where a bunch of different things are happening? There's just all kinds of things going on. I think. Wow, it's got loud. Out I know. There sorry, also. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not coming through too bad on the mic. There's all kinds of things going on. I can't really speak to like why Hollywood people make the specific movies they do, but it's probably mostly money issues, right? If you want to get a movie funded, it has to be a certain thing. It's going to appeal to check those boxes. Right. Does the which is, thing again? You know, which is not an unreasonable thing to expect. I mean. You know, a hundred million dollars is a lot of money, yeah. or something, right? But is that what's separating it from honesty? Is the budget? I think so, to a yeah, large maybe. degree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're going to be honest, you risk a lot, right? You risk not being appealing for one, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, I think, I think, that, and, and I'm not even saying that that's a bad thing that these budgets cause this. It's like what's to be exp like. I'm a game designer. Yeah. Game designers are people who design systems and understand how systems behave mm -hmm. as they move on under their own uh, governance, right? And so if you look at the system that we have, it's pretty obvious that you have these expensive things that people want to see, and therefore the creation of them is going to be very risk-averse. That happens in every industry yeah. where there's expensive products. So I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying, though, that... Uh, I personally, as a creator, would like to do something different from that. Yeah. So, what uh, led you to that point? You know, there's a. I think a lot about uh, the, you know the study of ideology, the study of, of any art form. There often are these moments where there's a sea change and things move in a different direction, or you find someone who says like, "Oh, look at how the world is ideological," but I'm in a position because of X Y Z where I can see that ideology is functioning, and because I can see it. So, what what yeah. life experiences, or what experiences as a designer, or what influences led you to the position now where you're you're saying like, "I'm going to try to make an honest game." Well, for for me. Uh it's not that analytical. It's just how I, I'm just doing how I feel about things and I can't pin it to one cause, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Braid was trying to be an honest game in a, in a different way. Do you think it succeeded? Um, mostly. Okay. Yeah, mostly. Um, more than people give it credit for, I'll <laughs> say that. Um, but 
but this game is very different from that, right? Because I'm finding just different ways to do things. And every game is different, and every game has different requirements about what... Like, the, the, you know, the ideas and the gameplay of the game sort of have different things that they need to make them effective, right? If I was making a shooter, it would be really different. Right. So, um, you know, at, at the point now, I feel like I've, I've done a good job of making this game honest, which may be different from the things that I would need to do to make it make the most money. Like, sure. That is just how it is. So, um, I mean, I think it'll be very successful. Mm-hmm. Like I said, people like it, but... Um, What's the installation that you, that you have? I'm not... I'm just really am curious about the, the process yeah. here because, like, if this is your concern, what is your insulation from making a game that wants to appear to be honest instead of making it's an honest hard? Game? It's very easy to slip over that line. Yeah, very easy, right? And um, just for for me, it's some feeling of of dissatisfaction that slowly boils over and then I have to figure out what I'm dissatisfied with and why and sometimes it takes a long time even you know um, like with the way that the story happens in the game um, I thought for years that it was going to be the other version and I kept trying different ways of doing it and I was like oh this sucks and mm-hmm. this sucks and I don't you know and I was slowly honing in on why I thought it all sucked um, and it was just yeah there was a fundamental incompatibility between that idea and what I wanted to do so, I mean, that's just, a, that's not a new story. It's just, you know, sometimes people who make things have an internal compass that they follow that tells them what mm-hmm. to make, and it's just that. This is what it is, yeah. This is the, regardless of if it's well-received or not. Like that, is that a fear of yours, that people have spent so much time playing games that appear to be something else or that convince them that they're this other thing that now, faced with this, that they won't? What's- well, I mean, rationally, that should be the fear, but in reality, I mean... People love the game so far, mm-hmm. you know, and um, again, I can't extrapolate that to the, the audience of everyone in the world, but yeah. th- at least enough people really love it that there's going to be plenty of people who like the game when it comes out. Like, it'll, it'll be successful mm-hmm. in that degree, right? Um, but also, besides that, even just on the internal compass standpoint, I mean, it's the best thing that I've ever made by, by a substantial margin. I think it's a way better game than Braid was, and Braid was well-received. And so, um, you know, times are a little different now. Yeah. Times are a little different, but this is also a much bigger, bulkier game as well. So we have to see how it's received, but I, I feel very good about it. And um, How do you think things have changed in the time since Braid? And for you also as a designer, but, but for the industry and for games as we, we think and talk about them? Well, it's interesting because AAA hasn't changed that much, actually. Um, most of the change has been at the low end. Mm-hmm. Um, AAA has changed a little because there's fewer of those games now than there yeah. used to be, um, just because they're more expensive yeah. or whatever. Uh, you know, on on the independent side, obviously, it's not really news that there's more independent games than ever, and um, it's harder for individual games to get attention just because people only have so much time to play games, right? And uh, so my my strategy about that, I mean, it's been my strategy even before this became the market conditions, but if I can go to somebody and say, look, this game is really different than anything else that you've played, and I've worked very hard to make this the best experience that I could, um, That's I think that's the most you could ever say to someone if you're trying to give them a game. Mm-hmm. And the more straightforwardly and honestly you can say that and not be some kind of bullshit like I'm trying to sell you snake oil, yeah. then the better it works. And so... Um, 
I believe that hopefully... So, so at the same time, you know, while there's all these more games, there's also a much bigger audience. Like I was telling someone yesterday, when Braid came out on Steam, which was a little bit after it came out on Live Arcade, like the max simultaneous people for Steam was like 1.4 million or something in 2009. And now it's 10 times that or yeah. something, right? There's a much bigger potential audience totally. than there was. And so um, I think that's is quite not... You just... As a developer, it is harder, though, because you have to make it into, like, the top small percentage of people, of games that people actually pay attention to. When people say uh, you're getting that feedback that people like what they've played so far, what's yeah. been standing out that is Well, it's like... just the size and complexity of the game, um, you know, and the fact that it's all high quality all the way through and that everything's original, I think. Mm-hmm. So... Again, you know, games, it's, it's a very uh, coarse way to think about a game is, like, how many hours is it, right? Sure. But it's a measurement. It's one of the only objective measurements. Yeah. Right. It's not really that it's objective. It's running time. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, people, people take different amounts of time to play things, especially a puzzle game. Yeah. Especially yeah. if Jeff is next to me and we're moving way faster <laughs> yeah, than we just well, with, with two people, you know, so yeah. one person gets stuck, but the other person yeah. sees yeah. it, mm-hmm. so you can go. Um, but, you know, I think of Braid as being a five-hour game, roughly. You know, some people do it in four, maybe three and a half. Some people do it in ten because, you know, they get stuck or whatever. Um, the Witness, by that same measurement, is about a hundred-hour game. So people could probably do it in 75 if they're fast. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, that's for completionists, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a minimal win that you can do that's half or a third of that, let's say, right? But it's still a big game with a lot of stuff in it, right? Is and that half or a third point? Um, this is this, this phrase that we keep coming back to. There's, there's, there was a post earlier this year yeah. on Steam. There's a, a user who was, re- yeah. who was responding to uh, uh, her story, a game by Sam Barlow, yeah. who wrote, uh, like, how do I know when I'm done this game? And someone said, like, you're done when you feel satisfied. And this person responded, like, how do I know when I'm satisfied? <laughs> right? Which is a like, great, feel? how do yeah. I know what satisfaction yeah. feels like? Yeah. Is the, how do you respond to that with your game? Like, is there, if I get 50 hours in or 60 hours in and reach a minimal end, 75 yeah. hours in, one, like, how do I know that? Is that really clear? Two, how do you encourage me to keep playing? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's clear that there's an ending and that, that there's also more. Right, we, and we try to, you know, it's also, again, I'm trying to be honest with the game, so it's not, it's not a feel good ending where we do fireworks right. and say good right. job, like in Peggle or whatever, yeah. Play Ode to Joy. We don't do that, um, uh, and I'm still, I'm still refining the finer points yeah. of it as well. But it's usually obvious that there's more stuff because, hey, there's stuff way back. That I, I know I should remember. remember I didn't right? Do, right. Yeah. And so, so if that damn people, rock, that damn rock. <laughs> if people want to go back and load their save game and like find that stuff, they're totally free to do it. And then, the more they find, just the deeper they'll go into understanding what the game's about and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know this is a very. Uh, this is going to be a maybe uh, kind of a ridiculous question, but. Obviously, the main puzzle element is this sort of maze style where you're tracing, you know, with the thumbsticks and so forth. Yeah. I wonder, like, how that became the language of this game. That's like, not a stupid question. <laughs> Why? It isn't. Not that it's um, stupid, just like a, a loaded question, yeah. maybe. Part of that is a massive, massive spoiler, right? So, I, Right, that's I what I'm saying, say, because we talked a little bit about how, right. like, playing the game is more the story than waiting for a cutscene to yeah. finish. So, um, but but I, once I had... An idea in that ballpark, right? 
then there's some kind of fine tuning about like what what can we make that's very very simple that also lets us do a lot of things with it right because the game the interesting so you know people see the trailer or something especially the the first trailer and they're like it's a game about drawing some lines and some mazes how is that possibly interesting? Or 100 right? hours. <laughs> or, or 10 hours, right? right? Yeah, like, right. How is it possibly two hours, right? right? How is it not stupid? And the reason it's not stupid is because it's that is actually a tool for taking you on a trip through this space of ideas. And it's the different ideas that are interesting. And there's really a lot of them, and there's no filler, right? right. So, so even, you know, sometimes you'll find a set of puzzles and... It'll proceed by smaller steps, and then it'll take right. bigger steps, but there's always a step of some size, right? right? And your brain picks up on that. You're like, oh, yeah, I get, I get what's happening, right? And so the, the design of the game was about um, making all these areas that explore the different possible ideas in, uh, in as much detail as is interesting, which is often a lot of detail. Without right? repeating... Yeah, without repeating, you know, often things cross-reference each other. Right, sure, stuff, right, 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 right. Yeah. But always there's something new. And and then, you know, th- there's that flow, right? What keeps you going through the game is that kind of flow. But then there's also, um, sometimes there are big surprises. Like, oh my God, I never thought that you that the ideas would go to this place. Mm-hmm. But now that they have, I totally see how it makes sense, right? right? Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of things like that. Um so I forgot what the original question was. It was more like yeah. why why maze why the maze yeah why well the maze? just be, okay so part of it is because it made that possible it's yeah. a relatively blank slate right right that then we could go because and the other thing it, it does is it removes ambiguity so you know I, I really enjoyed the missed games back when they came out and other games I used to love Infocom's text adventures. <laughs> But all those games have serious problems by modern standards, right? right? So you, you go to another genre of game, like a fighting game, right? There's a flow to a fighting game. Like, sure. as a player, I'm doing a certain thing. I'm, like, looking for openings, you know, I'm blocking, I'm kind of do, doing my, my button reflexes mm-hmm. and whatever. Same for an RTS, right. same for a racing game. They all have their different flavor, right? Adventure games never really found an analogous thing. I mean, even factor out the fact that they're not action-y, right? It's mm-hmm. like... What is the flow of an adventure game? It's sort of supposed to be like, I'm figuring stuff out, right? right. But by amount of time that you spend playing an adventure game, it's almost 0% of what actually happens for those old games. Right. It's, you spend a lot of time being confused. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why doesn't the parser understand what I'm trying to type? Right. God damn it. The word's right there on the screen. <laughs> I'm trying to pick up this thing that it says is on the screen, right. and it doesn't... Am right. I ever going to use this glove that I have in my inventory yeah. that I've had for two hours? Well, that, that's a little more legitimate, but, yeah, but it's bit. still... Um, you know, or, or you go to like a, a point-and-click game, and it's like, I'm hunting all the pixels. Right. Is yeah. this active? Is this active? Oh, I, I'm stuck on a puzzle... But I have all these inventory items, so I'm going to drag them onto each one other by one, to one like, if they ever you know, match up. And yeah. that's not gameplay, right? That just sucks. You know, it's what I mean. It's sort of gameplay, but it's not very good. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was looking for a way to get rid of most of that stuff, right? So, what you know, you wander around this environment now, and you see a puzzle panel, and it's a very clear signal. There is something here to figure out, yeah. right? And Early in the game, you may even think that you know exactly what kind of thing, but then as you guys have seen, there's some curveballs even mm-hmm. relatively early, right? Um, so there's something to figure out, but sometimes you don't know exactly what connections to make, but you know also how to tell the computer that you figured it out. You have to draw the right line on the thing. So all the UI parts 
are now no longer confusing, mm -hmm. you know. And we also, uh, you know, people are in that yard at the beginning of the game until they trace a few panels, and that's partially getting people used to the controls, but it's also sort of saying, this is the kind of thing that you do. Like, right. you, you solve one of these, you maybe follow the cable to see where it goes. Um, so you use some, uh, you know, uh, use your uh, skills of observation on the mm -hmm. environment, right? But... We don't have you like twiddling knobs on a bunch of weird machines and yeah. whatever, right? So hopefully by the time people get out of there, they're sort of in the habit that they don't need to do that. Right. Um, They've internalized what the flow of that game is. I think, I think people will always like misclick like that because they'll see something interesting. But, right. but for the most part, then when you click it and it's not interactive, you're like, of course it's not. Nothing in this game has been. And mm -hmm. We're also very careful about environment design to try not to make things that are interactive, which yeah. is a fun way to manage an art team because yeah. they always want to make <laughs> yeah. cool-looking stuff. I actually yeah. just read a really great um, piece by someone on the team. Uh, it was on like, a yeah. suture this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was actually uh, that one of the architects. Architects, which Sorry, is right. external to our company. The yeah, we work, work on the game quite a lot. What yeah. was that experience like to bring an architect um, on? And, and yeah. also, in general, if you would just. People talk a lot about, like, oh, it's Jonathan Blow's new game. And, like, a yeah. lot of people have worked on it, actually. Right. It's not so like can I you speak made it about what that out is. Of, <laughs> right. That's my bare hands. Right. Yeah. In your yeah. basement. No, is... So, we've got, you know, at this point, we've got a, about seven full time people on, on our team, which is um, small. Very, very small compared to a AAA game, but sure. it's starting to get big for an indie team because well, for it's a hundred like, hour game, also that's, it's that's a huge game a, for yeah. a small team to right. make. That's why it took a long time. Sure. Right. Um, so we uh, uh, we also work with various other people. So architects, we worked with four or five different people, two different architecture firms, with a couple people each to design buildings and landscapes. Um, and then uh, sound, there's a sound team that uh, is external, right? We work mm -hmm. with them. It's Wabi Sabi Sound, who are the people who did uh, sound for Dead Space, for example. Um, they're very good. Uh, I actually wish we had brought a better sound system than this TV, because <laughs> the sound is amazing. But, um, you know, and then and a few other external people who do that kind of a thing. So, like, if you count the maximum number of people at once who were ever working on the game, it's maybe, like, 13 or 14 mm -hmm. Um, what was that like in terms of like because because there's this there's a tension here that I'm that I'm seeing which is maybe not a tension uh, it's a tension which is I think you have a notion of what an honest adventure game looks like yes and it is your vision for this game yes uh, and my suspicion is that when someone else makes an adventure game they think that they are making an honest adventure game not always maybe but I, mean, I think I that other know. people have made that have have I've, I've heard that sort of language used before sure uh, okay. and and I don't doubt that. Their intention, you know, maybe they're missing the ways in which they're you know, deceiving. I, I honestly can't say because I haven't talked to any designers about that specifically. Sure. So okay, um, but um, but my question is, how do you manage that desire? Which is like, I have a, a I think I understand what an honest adventure game is, yeah. uh, and that honesty needs to be communicated in this very complex way, yeah. where everything this is why you went to an architecture firm, right? Sure. It's like it's yeah. like a, a part of what Deanna says, Deanna Van Buren, in, in this piece is like, you know. Uh, uh, Bioshock Infinite had had some very wonderful spaces, but they weren't cohesive in a way that that respected the the material that was actually being used there. And because of that, those spaces didn't communicate as much as they could have about the world and about the experiences and blah blah blah. And I think here, like, yeah, of course, if you're going to make any game that's supposed to be honest about about things in this way, where it isn't pretending to be something it isn't, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. But how do you deal with having to work with other people when what your idea of what an honest game is, is like in your head? Well, it, it depends on who it is. Like for the architects, 
they have not worked on professional video games before. Mm. So there's a lot of communication that has to happen even before we get to that right, point. Right. Like, what is gameplay? And yeah. How how do yeah. you design a building around <laughs> gameplay? Which is not like if I had just said design some buildings go and come back <laughs> two years later, they'd be way different from sure. what's actually in the game. Right. So there was just a long communication process there um, with other people on the team who are, are familiar with games, but not this kind of game. That early on there was a lot of discussion and reiteration of the same points from slightly different mm. angles, you know, and not even always about making the game honest, although that, that comes up sometimes, but just little craft kinds of things. Because this game, so this game is being a little bit daring. There's a few ways in which it's daring, at, at least one of which you'll find out if you play more. But, but one of the ways is this whole nonverbal communication thing that it's doing. It never gives you a single yeah. linguistic instruction at all, yeah. right? It's a totally the opposite of a Nintendo game, right? <laughs> Um, like a modern Nintendo game. Right? <laughs> yeah, a modern Nintendo right. game. It's right. more like Legend of Zelda or something, right? Yeah. right? Although even that has characters who talk right. to you. Right. Sure, but I know um, what you mean. Yeah, so um, that, uh, you, you have to make that, it doesn't just work by itself, you have to make it work. And there's a lot of things that we do to make it work. For example, in the art style, and actually um, there's going to be a presentation at GDC this year about this, maybe, if it gets accepted. <laughs> There was also sort of one at SIGGRAPH. Uh, I don't know if that's online, but right. um, we had to do the art style fairly differently from how a lot of games are. Because in a lot of games, you're just like, I want to make this stuff look really cool, mm -hmm. right? So go, right? Here, I was very insistent that people be economical about how they draw people's attention, right? Because if you bring people's attention in the wrong way... Um, toward a toward a red herring right. that's you can not obsess around over right. it. Yeah. Then, then not only will you maybe think that there's a puzzle there, but it's also taking your attention a, away from where it needs to be, which ambiently makes everything harder, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of game designers don't pay enough attention to that. Um, so, so the the way that that comes into play in this game is, you know, the art style is very simple. Like, there's not a lot of um, noisy textures with a lot of heavy lines and things. Mm -hmm. It's like mostly uh, high contrast colors with simple shapes, simple fields of color, right? And that way um, we can signal that something should have your attention or, or not. Um, and uh, when something, when we allow something to grab your attention, it's because it's important for gameplay or thematically or both. And if you don't understand that the first time you see it, you will eventually by the end of the game, mm -hmm. and then it, it makes sense, right? And so that to do that, we had to curtail a lot of regular artist instincts. So like if an artist makes a random tree, they want that tree to look as cool as possible. Right. And I'd be like, no, no, make it more boring. Yeah. <laughs> because there's nothing Only there to do. Colors. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, so right there, I mean, probably if you just think about any game that you play, there's probably a lot of moments where you like went up to something to investigate and it wasn't anything. Even in like an action game or something, mm -hmm. right? In a puzzle game, that's way more deadly. So um, I was just very careful about that. And that's one out of like 50 ways that sure. you're like paranoid. <laughs> right. yeah. To make sure that, that, that the, the kind of instincts that they'd learned through being people who work on games <laughs> yeah. did not kind of overshadow what the what the yeah. goal was here. Well, but 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 again also it's just it, to really simplify the statement it's just doing what's right for this specific game. Like the stuff that I just said would not be exactly that way on the next game. Right? Sure. Right. Right. So speaking of like what do you do obviously your final stages of this this is yeah. out in January a couple yeah. months away. 
but like are is your brain already working on what your next project is yeah. whether that project is big or small or, or whatever um, well I, I already have another game prototype that I want to do it's not it's not the design isn't done mm-hmm. but it's very promising and very interesting it's not a puzzle game in fact um, <laughs> So that's fun. Um, but I also, for the past year, have been making a new programming language. Mm. Uh, there's a big series of videos on YouTube where I demo it all the time. Um, and that, um, you know, that's been a spare time thing. But at some point, I want to bring it into more of a full-time thing. So we'll see, we'll see when and how that's possible. Is that something that you're using on this project? Or no, no, no. This no, is like no, a long-term goal? Because programming like languages are big, complicated yeah, things. Yeah, so, yeah. I wasn't um, sure how far along it was. Like what's the application of this? Well, it's it's to be a better language than something like C++, which is a game most professional game developers mm-hmm. use. The people who make bigger games right. use, right? Um, to, there are many ways in which C++ is woefully deficient, but it's also a thing that has a lot of inertia. You know, okay. and so it's one of those situations where nobody believes that you could ever stop using it. Mm-hmm. But of course, eventually people will stop using it because a thousand years in the future, we're not going to be. So, so like, right. at what time yeah. does that transition happen? Sure. And who's there to pick it up, right? Those it, moments of transition are, are really fascinating. I've, those have come up in your work before, I would say, like moments of technological shift. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. What is it that's fascinating about that? And, and is it, do you think that, like, that seems to be a thing you're very interested in, these moments of progress. Um, what draws you to that question? And do you think that you're contributing in some way to that, whether through this programming language or through trying to shake off the kind of like the the chains of of uh, pretentious game design or whatever? <laughs> well, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I, I hope so, but often all you can do is hope, right? I mean, you just you just can do the things that you think are the right thing to do, and then there's always there's all this weather of like, what's this circumstance of history mm-hmm. that's going on outside me that I don't even understand, and. You just hope that that lines up, I think, and you do your best to make it line up, but you're not completely in control of that. Yeah. So we'll see. see. Yeah. And so, so I'm really, you know, with the programming language project, for example, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I will probably use this language for my own stuff for most of the rest of my life, at least. Um, so that's all already a plus if it's any good, <laughs> for sure. uh, which it is so far. And you'll know it really well. I'll know it really well. <laughs> And I'll give out the code for free to anyone else who wants to use the language. So, um, you know, from there, we just have to see. Really. Great. Right on. Any other questions, Jeff? I have everything I need. Okay. All right. I'm one really last looking one for you. Checking out the. What was the last thing that you? What was the last game that you played that that did feel? Uh, I don't even need to use the word honest. What was the last thing that you played where you were like, "This has a thing. This has something." Um. Big or small, I'm not looking for... It can be something I've never heard of. Well, I'm thinking of several games that aren't out yet. Mm-hmm. So my friend Mark has this game, Miyagakure. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It's a four-dimensional puzzle platformer where okay. it's really in four dimensions. It's got this Japanese garden aesthetic, and you like swap which dimensions you can view. and okay. That's really interesting. And it's, it's very much about exploring its concept, you know. Um, and actually, a, a very recently announced game... Um, I think Willie Cheer lives here in New York. I don't know, but uh, relatively, which has now got renamed Manifold Garden. Okay, which, right. Um, which, it, what I've I've only played the beginning of that game so far, but again, it feels like a game that really knows what it wants to do, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and just goes straight there. It doesn't mess around with other things. So 
I, I like that kind awesome. of thing. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate it. I think our fans will be happy to be like hearing like some of like what's coming up that they, they, <laughs> yeah. they could be oh, it's been uh, great. paying attention to. Thanks so much, Sean. Right on. Thanks, Thanks, Jeff. For coming by. Thank you. Definitely.